0: The apostle Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Present your bodies. I'm afraid that when we first hear that or read that, we might think about he's talking about how we look. We might think this because we live in a world obsessed with how people look. My undergraduate degree is from Southern Methodist University, pony up, anybody, anybody, No, TCU for Jenny, horn frogs. No, this is a pony up moment. Well, Southern Methodist University is in Dallas, Texas, specifically in the Highland Park neighborhood of Dallas, Texas. And I was able to attend SMU Grateful to Mr. Hunt, But a great many of my classmates at SMU did not need rich oil men to help them with tuition. Or actually, maybe they did, but they were related to those rich oil men. Anyway, SMU can be kind of fancy, and I'm not very fancy. So living on the SMU campus for four years, I got well acquainted with something that I call the look. The look. Now, maybe someone has done this to you, though it's much less common in Nebraska than it is in Dallas. The look happened to me every day when I was in college. I kid you not, every day. I would be walking down the sidewalk or hallway, and someone would be approaching me, usually a woman, not always, but usually a woman from the opposite direction. Usually that person was much thinner than me, had on much more makeup than me, was wearing much more expensive clothing than me. She might have even actually had on pearls and heels though she was simply leaving her 8 a.m. advertising class. As we drew near to one another, within the space of three seconds, this other person would manage to look at me from head to toe and then back to head again. Then she would look me in the eye and not smile. okay? Giving me the twice over and then showing no signs of friendship, it was a way to say, you do not meet my approval or, I look better than you. Or, if she added a scowl and a frown, she was saying, why are you even occupying the same sidewalk as me? (laughs) A three second judgment of passing on the sidewalk. SMU girls were experts at this. But it wasn't just in the late 90s and it wasn't just fancy Dallas women. Unfortunately, we send these silent messages of judgment about people's appearance all the time. And now, it's not just when we meet up in person. With the ubiquity of social media, people feel free to criticize the appearance of strangers in the comments section all the time. We spend a lot of time judging one another on our appearance, which inevitably seeps into our own self-appraisal, which means we spend a lot of time judging ourselves on our appearance. This is why Facebook keeps sending me ads for wrinkle creams, I wonder, are they paying attention to the photos that I'm posting and think that I need help? Uh, Hopefully, they just assume every woman in her mid 40s has more lines on her face than she wants. But we spend so much effort wanting to approve our appearance, I believe it threatens to continually pull us out of balance for the way that we think about our bodies. We want to be healthy. And I feel comfortable in saying that God wants us to be healthy. God wants us to take good care of our bodies. But it's hard for us to hold on to what that actually means to, to be healthy and not just attractive. It's hard for us to hold on to that in our modern world. Now, we're spending a few weeks here talking about balance, talking about the forces in the world that pull us out of balance, and how the Bible can help us find our center again, can help us find our grounding again, can help us find our balance again. And so far, we've talked about balance at work and balance in our families. Today, balance with our health. Now, what kind of health advice does the Bible give? Well, not very much at all. People have tried over and over again through the years to make the Bible some kind of health manual, but guys, it's just not, okay? It's not. I had church members at a previous congregation who got really into this diet plan that's supposedly based on scripture, like biblical values for your daily meals, and I think it's a pretty big stretch to pair Bible study and a weight loss program. I mean, the Hebrew Bible will give you a lot of instructions about how to eat, But that's about keeping kosher, and that's not a weight loss technique. That's about being set apart as a holy people, and it's for Jewish people. It's not for Christian people, not a part of our covenant. And the New Testament, it's basically got no health advice at all. And that makes sense when we realize that the health concerns of people in the ancient world were pretty different than our health concerns. I mean, Infant mortality was sky high. And if someone did live through that fragile period of childhood, a long and healthy life was pretty rare, and it was mostly for rich people. The average height of a Roman man was something like five feet two inches tall. I mean, that's shorter than me, guys. Uh, And for example, the remains of one 45-year-old man who was found uh, from the first century in Rome showed him to be undernourished, overworked, and in continual pain as a result of his rotting teeth and fused discs in his spine at 45. So people in the ancient world had vastly different medicine than we do and vastly different expectations about personal health. The Bible is just not going to give us specific instructions about how many, days, how many minutes a week we should exercise or how many carbohydrates we should eat in a day. Those were not their concerns. What the Bible does give us is spiritual counsel. And that's what Paul's trying to do in his letter to the Romans. Now, he spends the first 11 chapters of that book laying out his theological worldview And then in chapter 12, he makes a turn towards some pretty specific and practical advice about how to live out our faith in Jesus. And in doing this in the chapters ahead, he mixes up advice about personal habits and conduct with advice about community and how congregations should live together. And in both ways, he's interested about what we do as a body, as a body. He's going to talk about what it means to call the church the body of Christ, but that's for a different sermon. Today we're focusing on our own bodies and how we treat them uh, as, a, as a way that's faithful and a way that's righteous. So Paul, he wants to remind us of the importance of our bodies and that they are an essential part to how we live out our faith. Now this is a reminder to us that Christianity is an embodied religion. Yeah, faith is spiritual. Faith is spiritual, but it's also Physical. We worship a God who took on human flesh, a God who came in person in a body in order to save us. That body, that body of Jesus reached out with love and compassion and care to people who were hurting in their bodies. He touched people. He physically touched them. And he offered healing to bodies as a key part of his ministry. And then, of course, Jesus gave up his own body on the cross as an act of love to defeat the power of sin and death. And then his body was raised from the dead. He wasn't a ghost or a spirit. His body was resurrected, and it changed the world forever. So to understand the Christian faith means to take bodies seriously. Our spiritual lives and our bodies are not separate from each other. But the confusing thing for us here in 21st century America is our culture is also very concerned with the body, but not always in ways that line up with our faith. We're back now to the confusion between health and appearance. So when Paul says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, an offering, holy and acceptable to God, He does not care at all how you look. He doesn't care how many wrinkles you have. He doesn't care what your pant size is. He doesn't care how big your biceps are. But he is very concerned about your actual body. And he wants us to live day to day in a way that honors the gift of our body and keeps it holy. Now, for Paul, the main concerns about bodies were people who drank too much partied too hard or had sex with people besides their spouses those were some of the unhealthy behaviors that he saw in the culture around him and I would say if you are engaging in those behaviors today you are pretty far from being able to present your body as an offering to God you're far from health far from holiness and maybe we should talk later okay But too much wine and casual sex, those are not the only ways that we get out of balance with our bodies or with our health. I mean, many of us struggle with what we eat. I loved the children's time example that we had. I mean, which bag would you rather have? I mean, I like donuts, Denny. I like donuts. Right? We struggle with what we eat, with knowing uh, what to eat, with knowing how much to eat, and with knowing how to feel good about what we eat. I was thinking back to all the different kinds of diets that I have known church members to go on in the 20 years that I've been a pastor. I've been a pastor to people who've done Atkins and keto and macro counting and weight watchers and intermittent fasting. And there was this one guy in Hutchinson who went on a diet prescribed by his doctor that was a soup diet. All he ate was soup. And he lost a lot of weight. But all he ate was soup. I'm not interested. (laughs) Now, if one of those diets I just mentioned or something else has worked for you and really helped you gain health, I'm glad. But more often than not, when we attempt restrictive eating like that, we screw up our sense of what food is. We screw up our sense of what's good and what's bad food, and we turn every meal into this moral judgment. Was I good today or was I bad today? Now, let me tell you, Your worth is not at all related to what you ate today. Your value in the world has nothing to do with what's on your plate. You are not good or bad in correlation with your diet. So, presenting our bodies as an offering to God, Paul suggests we try to do that, but it's not about us being the perfect shape or a certain size. It's about us taking care of our bodies so that we can honor the gift that God has given us in our bodies and we can act out our faith in the world. I love how the kids said about those donuts and Twizzlers and what else was in your bag? Something else sugary. Cookies, right? Cookies. How the kids said, you're going to be sick and you're going to have a tummy ache and, uh, and you're going to have a sugar high, right? And then a sugar crash. If all we eat is sugar and fried food, then we're not honoring our body in a way that's faithful to God. But if we eat a balanced diet with all things in moderation, if we make an effort to be active and to strengthen our body rather than just sit on the couch all day, then we will have done what we can to take care of our bodies in a way that aligns with our faith. As we seek balance in what we eat and how we move, It's a part of doing what Jesus said, of loving God with our mind, our heart, our soul, and our strength. Now, one other way that I wanted to mention that I think we easily get out of balance in our bodies, uh, get out of balance about our health, is in our sleep habits. Parents and grandparents, think about how dedicated you are to making sure the kids in your life get enough sleep. We make kids take naps because they obviously need it. So much physical and mental development's going on for them that they need to sleep. And if they they don't get enough sleep, then you all know firsthand what happens, right? They get fussy, irritable, irrational behavior comes out of those kids, the ones that aren't well rested. Kids are a mess if they don't get enough sleep. But somehow, along the way of growing up, we think that's no longer true for adults. We convince ourselves that we can operate on less sleep. We can prioritize other things. We can sacrifice our own sense of rest. And as a result, we get out of balance. We lose our good humor, our creativity, our flexibility, our generosity. We do our, our work less well. We live our lives less well. In an article from Harvard Medical School, researchers found that in the short term, a lack of adequate sleep can affect judgment, mood, ability to learn and retain information, and may increase the risk of serious accidents and injuries. That's in the short term. But in the long term, chronic sleep deprivation can lead to a host of other health problems, including diabetes, cardiovascular disease, even add to mortality. The truth is that we need to rest. God has given us miraculous bodies that need downtime and honoring our body's need for rest is another way to regain balance in our health. It's a way to honor our bodies, to care for them as a gift that God has given us. It's a way to present ourselves as an offering to God, which is why napping is, as an adult, is perfectly acceptable. I'm gonna go on the record today as a big fan of naps. Big fan. And if you think, oh, Pastor Amy, I can't nap, I can't ever nap, it might be that you're sleeping too long. 20 to 30 minutes seems to be the best range to increase alertness without ruining your chance of sleeping well at night. Napping as an adult is perfectly acceptable. It doesn't mean you're lazy, it doesn't mean you're weak, it means you're tired. There's this story I love of an old monk who was once asked what he would do if he saw his brother falling asleep at Matins. And Matins is a service in monastic life that usually starts about 3 a.m. Wouldn't you be upset, the monk was asked, if you saw another monk sleeping when he was supposed to be praying? No, said the monk. I would simply give him my lap so he might have a more comfortable place to lay his head. Just like finding balance in our work or with our families, keeping balance with our health is an ongoing work. It's something that's never done, but rather an ongoing habit, something that we cultivate uh, in our lives as disciples of Jesus. This week, I wanna invite you to take a moment to notice the things around you that threaten to pull you out of balance in terms of your health. What messages are you seeing on TV? on social media, in conversation with others that push you to think more about how you look than about your health? What messages are you getting that encourage you to do more and accomplish more rather than take time for rest and recharging? Friends, Jesus' great gift to us is that we are saved by his grace, not by a number on the scale, not by how much we accomplish in the day. Jesus invites us to care for ourselves so we might care for others in his name. Thanks be to God. Amen.